Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. There are people that are, you know, colorful and loud, people that are quiet, some people that seem a little grumpy, um, some people that are emotional and, and, and some people that are, that are stoic and non-emotional. And God said, I'm putting you guys all together to serve me together. If we regard each other according to the flesh, if we nitpick each other, it'd be really hard to accomplish something great for God. And that's what we have to be careful about. We don't, we're not looking at each other's issues and weaknesses and flaws and picking those things out. When you look at the group that Jesus picked, right? I look at the, the, the disciples. In today's message, Pastor Bill will remind you that God has called all different kinds of people to the family of God. While we all come from different families, countries, and backgrounds, each of us are called to be a part of the family of God. The Bible doesn't promote people discriminating against other people for their differences. None of us are perfect, but everyone deserves to be treated with respect within the church. Jesus treated social outcasts with respect. How much more shall we respect each other? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. I, I just do this because I really love people. It's not a good motive. You know why? Because if you do it because you really love people, you need that feedback of them responding. What happens when they don't respond? You're going to be bummed out. I gave all this time and all this, and they didn't even listen. <laughs> you know, that's what you'll feel like. You'll quit. What if you, well, I do this because, you know, I, I really want to see people get saved. So if my motive is I want to see people saved and that's why I do what I do, that's even a bad motive. You know why? Because what if nobody gets saved? There's no guarantee. Jeremiah's ministry, his whole ministry, no convert. But he did it anyway because he did it. He was, he was being obedient. But if my motive is I want to see results, then that's not a good motive, right? That can, that can pan out and be empty somewhere. I minister the word. My motive, God, I want to see people receive the word. I do. That can be why I do it. Because what if nobody receives it? What if I preach and everybody hears it and nobody takes it in? And I, I quit. I quit, God. It, you know, that's the third year. Nobody's listening anyway. I quit. That, that's what would happen. But if my motive is the love of Christ, God, I'll do it for you. I'll do it 10 more years, 20 more years, 30 more years. I'll do it till I, till I die, right? Because the love of Christ constrains me. And so if you're serving, if you're doing something for the Lord, um, that'd be a good today. Be a good check, check your, Realign the motives. Make sure that your motives are Got to do this because of it's, it's in response to what you did for me. And it's because you love me. Right. Um, the Bible says that we love him because what? He first loved us. I often remind my when I first met my wife, she wasn't like I knew before she knew that 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 she was going to be my wife. You know, she didn't know yet, but I knew. Um, then, you know, it took her a while. To, I think she she was really like like she had me like this, like like she had me on the. Like you acting saved, but I don't know if you really saved. So like, I don't know. I don't know what kind of test she was putting me through, but but I was at arm's distance for a while. So I, I, I remind her at times, like you didn't choose me. I chose you. I, I loved you before you loved me. You loved me because I first loved you. It's, it's, it's the Bible, you know, but uh, in essence, it's true. You know, I, I, I did start this, you know, so God would say, look, I, you love me, but you love me because I first loved you. I can never boast in my love for God. I can only boast in his love for me. My love for him is weak. Because how many of us would say we love him, but we fail him all, often? My love for God is not enough, right? But it's his love for me is enough. I'm going to heaven because he loves me, not because I love him. Amen? And so Paul says, look, the love of Christ compels me. Um, that's his second. This is his second thing in this little section that motivates his service. And why he would endure such hardship, why he would go through difficulty. 
Because the Lord loves him and he's aware of it. And that's why it's so important that we be aware of the gospel, aware of God's love for us, aware of what he's done for us, um, that we be impacted, that we be helped. So he says, again, verse 14, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. Now, you know, some people look at this and, and they, there's a, a thing called universalism where they say, look, God died for all. So everybody's going to be saved. Do we know that's not true? It's not true. Right. Did God die for all? Yes. Did he die to provide an opportunity for all to be saved? Yes. Will all be saved? Unfortunately, not because there's something that that God's got. I made the I made it. I made it available to all. But everybody doesn't. God gives you free will. You don't have to receive the Lord. You can be aware of the gospel and say, I'm aware of the gospel. I'm aware of what Jesus did for me. And I choose to do my own thing. I appreciate appreciate what you did over there, Lord, but I'm, I'm going to do me. There are people that eyes wide open have made that decision. God, I'm aware. I understand. But but I'm I, I just I'm going to do what I do over here. Um, and God leaves us that 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 freedom. Um, there There is something called free will. Um, God doesn't force you to surrender to him. God doesn't force you to receive him. Um, you know, I often leave us like a marriage. Anybody here that's any woman that was proposed to, that's that's kind of the, the position Christ take. His, his death on the cross is like the ring and the proposal. I love you this much. Demonstration of my love. I died in your place. I want to be in a relationship with you for all eternity. What say you? And when a woman is proposed to, really, really a humbling place for a man because it's, it's, she has all the marbles. She can say yay or nay. You know, she can say, mm, nah, it's a small diamond. I'll wait till you come back with a better one. Now, she, she just has all the options. Well, in a sense, God leaves us there. You can, you can take, you can, you can receive him or reject him. You have that ability. And so, um, yes, he died for all. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody is, is, is going to receive it or be born again. Then it says in verse 15, it says, and he died for all that those who live shall no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again. And so he gives us the purpose. Why did he die for us? He died to save us. We know that. But here he gives us something else. He says that those who live, right, those who live as believers should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. So let me ask this question. Please don't answer out loud. Would you say today that you're living for yourself or you're living for the Lord? Like, what, what would you say? Um, and I want you to consider what that looks like. If I say... I'm living for the Lord. That means in my life, I'm, li I'm literally living it for him. God, I do the things that you want me to do in my life. I run by you. The thing I'm, I'm, hey God, I'm considering this, that this seems like a really good idea. What do you say, Lord? I'm living my life for you. I'm asking God about what I'm doing, how I'm using my time, my talent, my resource. My God, I'm, I'm, I'm running everything by you because I live for you. Are you living for the Lord? Um, what's it look like to live for yourself? It's easy. We've all done it. Um, and maybe some of us are still doing it. But live for myself means I get up, I think about myself. What does myself want to do? Myself wants to do that. That's what I'm going to do. Myself likes that. I'm going to go do that. I, it's, I, I consult myself about everything I do. That's what it looks like to live for self. I don't consult the Lord. I might, I might be in clear rebellion against the Lord because myself likes stuff that God don't want. Live for myself. So, and I'm asking everybody to consider who you're living for, right? Because there are people that would say, I, I live for the Lord. But if you back up and look at seven days, right? Take, take, today is Sunday. You take your life from last Sunday to this Sunday. Who'd you live for? What'd that, what'd that, what'd that week look like? 
What'd you do? Why'd you do it? Um, how much of what you did with, with, with God said, yes, that's what I wanted. That's what I told you you did the stuff I wanted you to do. How much of what you did would you say that was just me doing whatever? Like, who'd you live for? Paul says the reason he died, one of the reasons, is that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but they would live for him. And so we want to be really be encouraged that we would live for the Lord. Right. Um, if you're writing notes, write down Romans chapter six. And it's mainly verse six, but I'm going to read verses one through six. Um, and this is what this is. A tra- this is this is something that should transpire in the hearts and lives of the believers. And we, we, we literally we die with Christ, die to ourselves. And so look at well, write down Romans six. I'm going to read one through six. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, it's the old life, was crucified with him and the bot- that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. And so one of the things that God says that when we've come to him, we enter into a relationship, God says, you should... The goal is that we would die to ourselves, that, that, that I recognize spiritually my sins have been hung to the cross. Well, so is my old man. My old man, everybody here has an old man that, or, or old woman or whatever. You know, that this is my old person that did whatever it wanted, lived, however. That person needs to be nailed to the cross, crucified with Christ. That now the life that we live, it would be Christ living his life through us. And that's the goal. In order for Christ to live his life through me, I have to die to myself. And, um, and that's a process, but it's something that we all want to be working towards, that I'm not living for myself. I'm dying to myself. How many know that your flesh or yourself wants to do things that God doesn't want it to do? How many guys would agree that your flesh wants to do? Anybody, everybody, everybody feel like, all right, so how, do you, how are we supposed to handle it? What do, you, what do you do as a believer when your flesh is like, I want to do that? But you know that's not what God wants. Um, how are we supposed to handle that? And this is what we have to get good at. If we're going to be believers, because it's going to it's it's going to be the rest of your life. The flesh and spirit are at war. My flesh often wants to do things that God's like, you know, better than that. You know, you can't say that. You know, you can't treat people like that, you know, the, but you feel like doing things or saying things or whatever. Um, and the answer is, what do we do with that? What do I do with that part of me that's like, I want to do that? You die to it. And then you get good at dying to it. And eventually, you know, you, you die to it until it's dead. Um, anybody that's, you know, when you first got saved and maybe were first trying to overcome, there were things that were really difficult at one point. But as you choose to die to it after a while, it's just you, you end up really being dead to it. It's not as difficult. Um, when I first got saved, I had a filthy mouth. Um, and I really thought that I couldn't help it. I'm like, that's just how I've been talking so long. But, you know, I, I found that it was something I could I could manage. And, um, you know, there was something that God was I knew God didn't want me talking like that. And I would try to work on it. And, you know, I would definitely want to not do it at church. And then when I met Mika, um, you know, we were going out. I saw another person curse in front of her and she reacted so badly. I'm like, wow, she really don't like that. 
And I was like, Lord, you have to help me. <laughs> You're going to really have to help me. And uh, it, it, it sped up the sanctification process, you know, helped me to get that thing under control. But I was aware that for a while I had to really be mindful. I had to pick other words and just slow, by, slow down my talking so I don't do. And eventually, as time go by, it's just not part of how I talk, you know. Um, there was a point at which, you know, for me, it was a real alcohol was a real heavy temptation. I was I drank every day when I wasn't saved. So I get saved. and I'm like, I'm cutting that out completely. That was a that was a, that was a difficult thing. I used to I couldn't when I would drive by a liquor store. There were times where my heart, my heart would beat. You know, your heart beating. You could hear it and feel it like I could feel the physiological temptation to I would see the crooked eye. And uh, that was my drink. I would. It was a temptation. It was it was that was hard. It's not like that now, but there was a period where it was like you have to die to that and die to that and don't give in to that and don't give in. And after time, you realize that, man, I've, I've, it's dead. You know, and I, I just I haven't had a drink since 90, since 95 by God's grace. Um, and so the way we overcome this flesh that wants to do wrong stuff that we, we have to die to it. Right. You got to crucify the flesh. That's a different, you know, crucifixion is ugly. It's brutal. Sometimes we want to kind of wean, we want to, we want to be tender with our flesh. My flesh, well, I've been doing this so long, I can't just stop cold turkey. You know, my, I gotta, I'm just going to start doing less and less. No. It's, crucifixion is brutal. Have you seen it? It's, it's wicked. And that's how you got to deal with your flesh. Brutalize it. No more. Today. Bam. It's over. And your flesh is going gonna, gonna to be painful and difficult, but it's effective. It just, it's, that's how you kill the flesh. Crucify it. Amen? All right. So, Move on, he says um, in verse 15, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but live for him who died for them and rose again. And that's that, that's the goal that we would live for him. Verse 16. Now, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. We now know him thus no longer. And Paul here is saying that we don't regard one another according to the flesh. Uh, he's going to further speak about that in a moment. But when when somebody gets saved, whatever they were, what was Paul before he got saved? He was a legalistic Pharisee who was responsible for killing Christians and persecuting the church. Do you think that was going to be an encouraging thing for Paul to have thrown in his face as a Christian? No, but it happened. He would go to some places and they were like, don't receive him. You know, we, we not we don't really believe we're not sure he's saved. We don't know if he really, really saved. Paul needed he had to have people vouch for him, Barnabas and other people. Um, sometimes we do that. Right. People get saved when someone gets born again. And we'll, we'll see that in the next verse. We got to give them. I got to I got to I got to treat them like what they are now. You know, Paul says here, um, we don't regard each other according to the flesh. Uh, that means I'm giving people, you know, someone's born again. I'm giving them an opportunity to be brand new. I don't regard you. I'm not I'm not regarding you. I'm not going to. I'm not going to treat you like what your flesh even is, is showing me at times. Um, and that, that's a difficult thing. Just, now, now we, we, we don't regard anyone according to the flesh. If we would do that in our ministry circles, it would help us because there's just a lot of when you do ministry together. We're a lot of different personalities. There are different types of people. Um, there are people that are you know colorful and loud, people that are quiet, some people that seem a little grumpy. Um, some people that are emotional and, and, and some people that are that are stoic and non-emotional. And God said, I'm putting you guys all together to serve me together. If we regard each other according to the flesh, if, if we nitpick each other, it'd be really hard to accomplish something great for God. And that's what we have to be careful about. That we don't, we're not looking at each other's issues and weaknesses and flaws and picking those things out. When you look at the group that Jesus picked, right? I look at the, the, the disciples. He had Peter, who is, Peter was, you know, 
always saying, Peter was like, I see Peter as an impulsive man. So like he always wanted to say something, sometimes the right thing, sometimes the wrong thing. One time it says Peter said something because he didn't know what else to say. Like he didn't know what to say. So he just blah, blah. He, had to, he had to say something. Though. He wasn't going to just be quiet. You know, so you got that guy that's impulsive and, and talkative and always putting his foot in his mouth. Then you got John, the beloved. And um, as I look at John, I kind of think of a kind of a soft guy, you know, laying, laying on Jesus bosom, you know, just like he's cuddling up with Jesus. You know, he wasn't gay. But uh, he was just a softer kind of guy, you know. That was John, the beloved, you know, just a tender guy. That's who Jesus said when he died, I'm, I want, I want, John, I want you to take care of my mom. I always remember that. He didn't give her to Peter, old rough, rugged Peter, you know. So she don't need a bodyguard. She needs somebody to care for her. So she left him with John. Then you got the sons of thunder, James and John, you know. Somebody that they saw people preaching that weren't with them. They wanted to call down thunder from heaven. And Jesus like, guys, stop. That's not how we get down. That's not what we do. These are just different people. And God put them all together and said, I want you guys to work together to do something great for me. And so when you get the body of Christ, we get the same thing. We get all kind of different people, different temperaments, different personalities. And when Paul says, look, therefore, we don't regard anyone according to the flesh. It is not my job to look at other people around me and, and dissect their flaws and weaknesses not to regard them according to the flesh. Um, if I can help, if I can pray, if I can build up, if I can strengthen, if I can encourage, I do that. But, but we're not picking each other apart. Paul says we don't regard one another according to the flesh. Then verse 17, um, it says, therefore, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. Um, and many of us know that by heart, that's the, the context of what he's talking about. He says, look, we don't regard people according to the flesh. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And everybody here, when you get born again, like that's a great encouragement. Old things, everything's passed away. All things have become new. You are brand new in God. Now, when other people come in and get saved, we got to give them that freedom to be brand new. I'm not going to regard you according to what you used to be. I'm not going to bring up what you used to do. Um, I'm going to I'm going to treat you like a brand new creation and, 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 and let you develop as a, as a new creation in Christ Jesus, not regarding you according to your past. Anybody here like to have your past thrown in your face? Not not unless your past, not unless you were a great something in your past. Boy, back in the day, you used to be, you know, this. But in, in general, if it's, if it's negative stuff, nobody want to hear about that. I want to hear about. You know, my, my failures, my, you know, I don't want to I don't want to talk about that. Put that away, you know. Um, but sometimes in Christian circles, we do that to each other. Somebody messed up and, you know, be two years later and believers are still talking about when they messed up. We shouldn't do that to one another. Uh, we shouldn't regard people according to the flesh. We definitely shouldn't celebrate it. Um, it shouldn't sound like good, juicy news to us. We find out a, a negative thing about another brother or sister. Um, Paul says, look. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. And if we can have that mindset for us, and even as God brings new people in and they get saved, they get born again, that you get fresh slates. Let's 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 start building a brand new life in Christ from where you are right now and let God do a brand new thing. Many times you get a person saved and several years down the line, they don't look like what they used to be. You know, if they didn't share their testimony, you wouldn't even know where they came from sometimes. Uh, there are people I know that when I heard their testimonies, I was like, I could have never I would have never in a million years guessed that you were that. But it's amazing what God has done. There's a woman that I know from my old church and 
Uh, she worked in the church office, worked in the bookstore, worked in accounting, worked in the studio, you know, the, the tape ministry or the CD ministry for the for the pastor. And then one day I heard her share a testimony and found out that at one point she was on drugs. She was a prostitute. She had been in, in and out of prison. And I'm looking at her like I would in a million years. I would have never guessed that. But I look at what God has done. It's, it's God has so transformed her life that she's not to be she should not be regarded as what she used to be. It would be a, that would be a, a, a horrible thing to throw that at her. We used to be such and such. No, you're a new creation. Look what God is doing in her life. And it's amazing. That glorifies God that he he has so transformed her that she didn't even look like anything, anything like what she used to be. And that should be an exciting thing for us to see people's lives so transformed that I wouldn't even be able to I wouldn't even know that that's what you were. You know, you'd have to tell me that that's what you used to do. So verse 18, it says, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So here's something important. Paul says, look, all things are of God. And this is what God has done, who has reconciled us to himself. And then he says this and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So I titled today's message reconciled to reconcile for this reason. God said, look, if you've been reconciled to God, then God said, I've given you the ministry of reconciliation. So it's not really something that if, if, if you're here, you're like, I've, I've been praying about a ministry to do. I've been looking for what's my calling? What's God want me to do? You got one for free today. Something everybody that's been saved is called to do is if you've been reconciled to God, I mean, you've been brought into relationship. It is your job. It is your ministry that you be a part of reconciling other people, helping other people come to know God. And I want you to understand what a special ministry this is. God's like, it's not just for pastors or preachers or, you know, people in, in, with platforms. This is for every believer. Every Christian, every believer has this ministry that you're to be a part of seeking to see people reconcile to God. How do we do that? We do it through sharing the gospel, sharing with people. Um, is it is everybody going to respond favorably? No, but you got to be a part. You're a part of that ministry. I want to see these people be reconciled to you. Something that that ministers to me when I consider this. God says when when just one sinner repents, what does heaven do? They rejoice. All of heaven rejoices. The angels are praising God. They're probably up there dancing and singing and playing instruments. Like it's like a party in heaven every time. Just one sinner, like just one, that that jumps off in heaven. So God says like there isn't there isn't like it isn't like to God like I need you know when when five thousand people get saved when when five thousand then will rejoice. He said every single one is a win for me. They've been reconciled to me. And this is I probably always share this story when I share this verse because. It's, it impacted my life, but um, my, my son, you guys know my son, Billy has autism. Um, when he was younger, um, he was a runner and, and he was fast, you know? So when he was a little kid, you know, he, if he can get the door open, he'd be gone, you know, a little, little flash, he'd be taken off of whatever. And so once at our old church, we put him in children's ministry. Me and my wife went to the midweek service and we came out, went to the room to go pick him up and we look in there and he's not there. And I'm looking for my little my little chocolate boy, and he ain't in there. I don't see anybody look like him. So we asked, hey, uh, what was maybe he moved or what happened? And they, they didn't even know. And we know him. We're like, somebody probably came to open the door, and he split, and they didn't even see it. So me and Mika just went like, she went this way, I went that way. And if I could tell you with that, like, in my heart at that, that's just, it's a terrible, terrible, it's, you, you dream up the worst thing. And those, in those moments... You dream up all kind of horrific things. At the time, he really couldn't talk. 
So he wouldn't have been able to explain, you know, who is, you know, who he was or where he lived or any of those things. I was terrified. And we're going different ways. And this lady, Carol, found him running up and back on, you know, one of the sidewalks at church, not on the street, but, you know, in, within the church facility or whatever. And I remember just getting him back. It was like just a it was a relief. Second Corinthians is a book that circles back to some things that were hit on in 1 Corinthians. There had been some sin within the church in between the first letter and this letter. The Corinthians had dealt with the sin and were moving past that, working toward unity and forgiveness. This is something that's easier said than done. The hard work is addressing sin, but sometimes the hard work that's required after that is choosing to forgive once the sin issue has been resolved. This is the best way for relationships to move forward after having a rift. Are any of these topics something that you can relate to in your life? Pointing out areas of sin, working at forgiving, and striving for unity? Of course they are. You're human. We like to come alongside you and be a support in these areas that you might be currently addressing. Would you text or call us and share where you are in the process? Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We'd be happy to listen and pray with you through these things. If you're in the area, it would be so great to meet you in person. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you'd like more info, go to CalvaryInglewood.org for our location and directions. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. We hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you in the days that we're living in. Join us again on A Transforming Word.